0: Chapter 7 of Brown Book of the Hitler Terror. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brown Book of the Hitler Terror by Lord Marley. Chapter 7 Brutality and Torture. Part 2. A Doctor and His Wife Tortured. On June 3rd, at four in the morning, there was a ring at the door of the flat. number of men shouted police open the door my wife replied please come in the morning i don't open the door at night then there were heavy blows against the door it was broken in and five men in storm troop uniform without police badges forced their way into the flat holding revolvers out at us i asked what they wanted and they replied with a shower of blows with their fists and rubber truncheons Hold your mouth. Who asked you to speak? They ordered, Hands up. Some of them seized my throat and pressed me against the wall. It's all up with you Jews, you Bolshevik rabble. When I tried to say something, they struck me again. They searched the flat, smashed in the drawers of my desk, filled a trunk with books, manuscripts, and letters, and ordered me to get out of it. My wife, who did not want to leave me in the hands of these bandits, came with me. "'although she was told not to. "'They kicked me down the steps. "'When my wife protested against their treating a sick man like that, "'she was cursed and pushed off the seat of the car. "'You impudent sow, keep quiet or you'll get it too.' "'The car pulled up at a house, "'in front of which there was a group of storm troop and protective corpsmen. "'As soon as we got out of the car, "'we were driven along with rubber truncheons and dog whips "'and up the stairs to the fourth floor.' I was hardly able to climb up, as I had influenza and my heart was weak, so they beat me furiously until I reached the top. I was pushed into a corridor, and my wife and I were made to run the gauntlet through Nazis, who struck at us as we passed. I was then taken to a separate room. I stated that there must be some mistake, and asked to be allowed to clear it up. The prisoner, who had worked at a Berlin hospital for seven years, and had since been chief doctor in a section of the municipal hospital in Newcomb, learnt in the course of a long interrogation that the absurd charge was made against him that he was the head of the communist propaganda activities in the Reich. When he protested his innocence, he was beaten. He continues his report. They threw themselves on me with bestial fury, using rubber truncheons, leather whips, and steel rods. They hit particularly at my head, jumping up on tables and chairs and hitting mercilessly at me from above my head. My face was streaming with blood, my cries for help soon stopped, a few blows with an iron rod, and I doubled up and fell unconscious. The victim further reports that he was soon in a condition in which he might die at any moment, and the Nazis felt compelled to summon medical aid. He was able, however, to keep track of what was happening, and his account includes the following. There were young men sitting in the room. Their faces were pale, and many had bandages around their heads. They were waiting to be interrogated. Now and then Nazis would come into the room and insist on all the prisoners jumping up and greeting them with Heil Hitler. Those who did not obey the order promptly enough were lashed with whips and forced to stand up and sit down again. They had to do this ten or more times in quick succession. Stormtroop men came in and took revolvers and ammunition from the drawers of the desk. The drawers were full of revolvers, and each Nazi selected the one he liked best. Other Nazis came in looking for the list of volunteers for Austria. A man who had sworn at a stormtroop man some days before was pulled out of his bed that night and arrested. A woman who had said that a man who had gone over from the Communists to the Nazis was mad. "'was arrested at her flat and brought to the Nazi headquarters. "'All at once someone shouted, "'Pieck and Olstein have been arrested and will be brought here.' "'The stormtroop men raved with delight "'and swung their rubber truncheons round them. "'Let them come. "'Someone said that the worker Schultze had come. "'All the Nazis went out of the room. "'For a quarter of an hour I heard them raging out in the corridor.' Then a short man, about thirty years of age, was pushed into the room. His right eye was full of blood. In the interrogation he admitted that he was a member of the Red Aid. He was accused of having been present when a storm troop man was murdered. He denied this. He said that he had already been arrested on suspicion of this charge, and then set free again. He was beaten with dog whips, and ordered to answer yes to every question put to him he was beaten until he answered yes are you a murderer you scoundrel he answered no he was then beaten harder his whole face was covered with blood he wiped his face with his sleeve you've admitted it now he replied it was you who compelled me to say it they beat him again he was asked how many children he had brought into the world and with how many women he had slept and whether all his children were such idiots as he was then he was sent into the kitchen to have his head shaved. When he came back, he was pushed in front of a fragile old man, a clergyman from Lichtefelde. The white-haired old gentleman was told to hold out his hand to him and say, Good day, comrade. The old man held out his hand and said, I shake your hand. You are a suffering human being. They all laughed. That's how you greet a murderer? The old man answered, and even if he is, he is a man who has been tortured, and you are the embodiment of force, and force is not eternal. You cannot break my convictions with rubber truncheons. You are national, and I am international. This courageous act of the white-haired old man made some of the Nazis look abashed, and when some of them rushed at him, the others held them back. After midnight, I was taken to the interrogation room where I saw my wife, who was as pale as a ghost. She whispered to me, I can't bear it any longer. I must throw myself out the window. They are going to say that you are a spy of the Cheka and shoot you. Don't do anything stupid. Pull yourself together. This exchange of words was enough to rouse the Nazi in charge to fury. He was so tired, or drunk, That he could hardly sit up my wife was led away my condition grew worse and i asked for a doctor i was taken to the room of the officer in charge and my wife was allowed to give me something to drink in spite of the victim's critical condition the storm detachment was determined to force the doctor to confess the man pulled out his revolver and yelled three bullets one in your forehead one in your mouth one in your stomach and then it's all over and you'll be thrown on the dung heap. I lay silent and quite still. He raised his fist and struck me in the face. In a couple of minutes it will be all over with you. I'll hang you from the window. I've hanged people in Kiev like that. Only a few minutes more. When I leave the room it will be too late. Whether you say it or not, you miserable scoundrel. What is the Cheka doing? What is the Ogpu doing? Are you going to talk or not? I lay still and he kicked me in the stomach as hard as he could i lost consciousness a doctor decoyed into a trap although every victim of the nazis deserves equal mention we must quote the case of another doctor on account of its special features the following report is taken from the sahrbucharbeiterstimme on march seventeenth there was a regular meeting of the berlin medical association after the lecture the chairman professor goldsheider head of the university clinic a man seventy years of age asked his colleagues to remain for a few minutes as he wanted to show them a particularly interesting case then a patient completely swathed in bandages was brought in and professor goldsheider explained gentlemen this patient is our colleague dr lust the day before yesterday he received a telephone call in the evening summoning him to a patient in Lichtefeld, when he reached there he was met by storm troop men and ill-treated in this terrible way these words caused great indignation at the meeting the well-known professor sauerbruch a german nationalist jumped up and declared that he was prepared to take the victim of the nazis into his clinic as a result of this experience something like a panic had spread through berlin doctors many of whom fear that when they are called to a patient they may meet a similar terrible fate. A WOMAN 46 YEARS OLD WHIPPED During the night of Monday, March 20th, Tuesday, March 21st, the Social Democratic woman councillor Maria Jankowski was attacked in her flat, Bergmannstrasse, 18, Köpenick, Berlin. A laundry van pulled up in front of the house, twenty storm troop men broke in the house door and occupied the stairs six men forced their way into her flat with revolvers ready frau jankowski was taken in the van with two communist officials who were already in it to the transport headquarters of the nazis in Köpenick. in a shed in the courtyard she was forced to take off her clothes and lie on a wooden bench which was covered with a black-red gold flag four men held her down one pressing her face into a bundle of old rags for two hours this woman forty-six years old was beaten mercilessly with truncheons steel rods and whips after this torture frau jankowski was put into the street at about five in the morning some passers-by found her and took her home in a taxi the doctor certified that her condition was dangerous one kidney had been broken by blows There was literally not a sound spot left on her body in the antonius hospital in kalhorst frau jankowski made the following deposition while i was being beaten i was told again and again to give the names and addresses of workers they made me count the colors of the republic and say foul words instead of black red gold they asked me questions like have you had any money from the welfare department have you housed and fed communists have you stolen shoes from unemployed workers have you made a list of nazi shops to be boycotted every time i answered no i was given a new shower of blows when i cried out the fifth of my tormentors pressed my face into the rags after i had had at least a hundred blows i fell off the bench i was then pulled off the ground and given such a blow in my face that i fell in a corner damaging my knee Then, together with the two communist workers who were also being tortured, I was forced to sing Deutschland, Deutschland über alles. I was compelled to sign a declaration that I would leave the Social Democratic Party, that I would never take part in politics again, and that I would report every Thursday to the Nazi office. Then I was given different treatment. I was given a glass of water. My clothes were brushed and given back to me. The leader told one of the men to take the lady out. THE MAN HELD ME UP WHEN I WAS ABOUT TO FALL DOWN, AND SHUT THE DOOR AFTER ME WITH A POLITE GOOD EVENING. MY HUSBAND REPORTED THE FACTS TO THE POLICE, BUT WAS TOLD THAT THEY WERE POWERLESS. WHAT WAS IT THAT MADE THESE YOUNG LADS CARRY OUT THE INHUMAN CRUELTIES RECORDED ABOVE? THIS HATE WAS DIRECTED AGAINST A WOMAN WHO FOR YEARS HAD BEEN IN A RESPONSIBLE POSITION, GIVING RELIEF WHERE IT WAS NEEDED, A WOMAN OLD ENOUGH TO BE THEIR MOTHER there is no question of this having been a private act of revenge the lads not only made the woman strip and beat her they also demanded names and addresses of social democratic party members they were acting on instructions from nazi leaders the leaders not only hushed up this crime but when it had become known abroad started proceedings against her for spreading atrocity stories Nerve specialist exiled after being beaten. On Tuesday, March 21st, the nerve specialist Dr. Frankel, whose patients are mainly working-class people, was arrested in his flat in Berlin by a large detachment of storm troop men. He was taken to the Nazi barracks in the General Papastrasse and kept there till Thursday in these two days he was interrogated several times and on each occasion beaten with steel rods and dog whips the results of this ill treatment including damage to an eye by a lash from a whip were established beyond question when he was released dr frankel was released on march twenty third after he had signed an undertaking for himself and his wife that they would immediately leave germany and never return dr frankel who was now living abroad reported as follows on some of the details of his treatment. While I was there, about fifteen young workers were brought into the room where I had been put. I can testify that these young workers were most cruelly ill-treated. As a doctor, I am of the opinion that at least eight of them must have succumbed to the injuries they received. After they had been tied up and lighted cigarettes had been pressed into the soles of their feet, the storm troop men continued torturing them cruelly for hours." A Dr. Philipsal of Beistorf, Berlin, was brought in at the same time as I was. He was seriously wounded. I am very doubtful whether he got through alive. Editorial note. On March 23rd, Dr. Philipsal was taken to the Orbank hospital, where he did in fact die. Reichspanner and Social Democrat Officials the dementis issued by the Nazi government always try to represent the excesses in the Nazi barracks as the arbitrary acts of individuals. We print here a number of reports from Kassel, which make it perfectly clear how closely the brutal acts are connected with the Nazi leadership. The Nazis did not take much trouble to distinguish between trials and torturings which took place in different rooms of the same house a deposition made by hans kvehr a reichsbanner leader contains the following on march twenty fourth nineteen thirty three at about one o'clock i was arrested by four storm troop men and one civilian and taken to the town hall they said Her Kvair, you must come with us and then i was taken along two men holding my arms i was taken down the outside steps Several Nazis who were at the top calling out to the public, Here comes the Reichspanne General Krier. I was taken to the public hall. The storm troop leader who took me is a commercial traveler, selling gin. He was formerly employed in the welfare department. He stole some money and was dismissed and sentenced to four months' imprisonment. One of the stormtroop men then took my particulars, including what party I belonged to. Then I was informed that I could go. As I went out, two Nazis got hold of me and prevented me from going. One of them went in to the man who had taken my particulars. Soon after, he came back and waved his hand, indicating that I was to be taken down to the cellar. There I was met by ten to fifteen storm troop men who ordered me to take off my hat and coat. Then I was taken into a dark cellar, where there was a bench. One of the men went in front with an electric torch. The torch went out. I was forced down onto the bench, and for ten or fifteen minutes was beaten with rubber truncheons, in a most brutal and inhuman way. When I fell off the bench, half unconscious, and begged them not to be so inhuman, they jeered at me and started beating me harder than ever. When I was coming out of the cellar, I did not walk quickly enough for them, and I was told, You had too little. If you don't hurry up, you'll be brought back in again. Other Cases in Castle Martin Meyer, aged 30, a municipal official of Botnerstrasse, 4, was taken out of the municipal offices where he was working at 12.30 on March 24th by storm troop men and taken to the public hall in the Kallstrasse. There he was taken into a dark cellar, laid on a bench and beaten with rubber truncheons for half an hour with one short interval. One blow hit his nose and another his right eye. Cashel Seppel, Trade Union Secretary, Schulstrasse 14, Castle, was taken from the Trade Union House, along with Gurke, another Trade Union Secretary, by eight storm troop men on March 23, 1933, at 5 p.m. They were told they were to be tried at the public hall. They were put into a large hall. They heard cries coming from the rooms below. They waited an hour. They were then taken by eight men into a dark cellar, laid across a table, and beaten by six men with rubber truncheons. They are now still confined to bed and under medical treatment. Their kidneys appear to be injured. Their urine is mixed with blood. Their backs, buttocks, and legs are injured. Ball Heinrich, a shopkeeper of Ludwigstrasse, two, Castle was arrested in his shop at about 3 p.m. on March twenty-fourth, 1933 by four storm troop men and taken to the public hall. He was beaten in the street and threatened that he would be shot if he tried to escape. Maltreated in the public hall, he was made to take down his trousers and beaten for a quarter of an hour with rubber truncheons. Since then he has been in Castle Hospital. Christian Wittrock, age 40 manager of the local health insurance department at castle was taken out of his office by two storm troop men on march twenty fourth nineteen thirty three he was taken down the outside steps then through a crowd of people to the public hall in the Kahlstrasse. there he was asked particulars about himself and then the nazi in charge said wittrock is discharged he was then taken out as if he was going to be set free but then taken into a dark cellar laid on a bench there, and beaten with rubber truncheons. Two blows on his head, his skin cut on his back, his buttocks and his legs. His clothes were stained with blood and partly torn, also his shoes. Then he was taken back into the hall and there beaten again. He is now under medical treatment. Even an officer maltreated. In the second week of March, a retired Lieutenant Anhalt, now district surveyor living at germania straße twelve Tempelhof berlin was arrested in his flat by three storm troop men and one civilian he immediately gave the alarm to the police who arrived at his flat but refused to interfere the storm troop men took anhalt to the Straße. there he was first struck by the civilian for having called the police then he was taken into a room where there were already twelve or thirteen men lying on straw. A storm troop man, whom they called oberfahrer took charge of the lieutenant. There was no mention of the fact that Anhalt was charged with anything. oberfahrer only knew that he had a former officer in front of him. He began to deliver punishment with two accomplices, and did not stop beating Anhalt until blood was streaming from his mouth and nose. THEN HE LIFTED UP THE INJURED MAN AND SHOWED HIM TO THE OTHER PRISONERS LYING GROANING ON THE FLOOR, SAYING, SEE HERE, THIS SWINE IS A LIEUTENANT, AND IN SUCH A FRIGHT THAT HE CAN'T STAND STRAIGHT. AS ANHALT THEN STOOD UP, THE STORM TROOP MAN THEN KICKED HIM BEHIND HIS KNEES, AND REPEATED THIS, TILL ANHALT FELL DOWN. ANOTHER BEATING FOLLOWED, WHICH, HOWEVER, DID NOT SEEM TO BREAK THE PRISONER'S SPIRIT, To the desired extent, Anhalt endured the blows in silence, and the stormtroop man shouted in fury, "'You'll howl, you dog!' and hit at Anhalt until he lost consciousness. Then he threw him on the straw by the other prisoners. Otto Gurke arrived at the trade union house, Castle, at three thirty. Three auxiliary police said, "'Number one, that's one of them. Number two, we'll come for him.' number three that's Gurkha of the metal workers union at four thirty four storm troop men entered the office Herr gerka yes put on your coat you must come with us to be interrogated in reply to my question whether the police president knew of this i was told yes eight stormtroop men took me into the public hall i was first taken to the guard room then up into the hall and searched for arms At about five-thirty I was summoned and taken by two storm troop men down the steps into the cellar, where there were a number of bicycles in the passage. They told me to leave my hat and coat there. I was then taken down twelve steps into a lower cellar. In this cellar I was thrown onto a table. My head and arms were held down, and I was beaten with rubber truncheons for fifteen to twenty minutes. I was then pulled up and told to say Heil Hitler, which I could not do. A doctor was summoned immediately, and he certified that I was suffering from loss of blood and nervous collapse. Castle, March twenty-eighth, 1933. I certify that I have treated Herr Otto Gerke, Josofstrasse Castle, for wounds on both arms, buttocks, legs, and calves. The wounds extend to the region of the kidneys. I have had Herr Gerke under treatment since March 24th. He is unable to carry out his duties and must be confined to bed. Signed. PROPAGANDA FILM INSTEAD OF DINNER At 6.30 a.m. on Monday, April 3rd, I was arrested by two protective corpsmen. Although my interrogation showed that there was no ground for my arrest, I was taken with two other prisoners to an ice cellar. An underground room, fifteen feet by six, with no opening for either air or light. On Thursday at about 11.30 p.m. we were brought out of the cellar and put into a schoolroom. On Friday we thought that we were going to be released, but they had evidently only decided to make a spectacle of us. As we were put into a car, we were surrounded by a crowd of fascists who jeered at us. To our surprise we were taken to a cinema where we were shown a film, Bleeding Germany. It was a film of incitement against France and included the shooting of Schlageter. One of the Nazis present began a speech. He imagined that he could win us over, but the main thing in our minds was that we had no dinner that day. At midnight on Friday I was again fetched out by two storm troop men and taken to the police station. I was not able to answer their questions to their satisfaction, and the police inspector ordered me to be taken out again. An hour later two protective corpsmen came for me. "'but they did not take me back to where I had been imprisoned. "'They drove the car out to a wood and pulled up there. "'I was pulled out and then thrown to the ground. "'Then they asked me, where are the arms? "'I said, I don't know of any. "'Then they started to beat me with rubber truncheons. "'One man holding my face pressed into the sand. "'After a while they paused and again demanded, "'Where are the arms? "'I thought of trying to run, "'as I felt that nothing mattered any more.' but then i noticed that they were getting tired the man who was holding down my head let go and then i felt a terrible blow on my head and lost consciousness when i came to i crept home tagore's experience in the last week of april the nephew of the indian poet rabindranath tagore was arrested on suspicion of having plotted to assassinate hitler he was afterwards released and gave the following account of his experiences. The room in which I was put was underground, dark and without any air. Twenty-two prisoners were already imprisoned there, all of them members of left parties, mostly communists. Many of them had already been there more than a month, and had not yet even been interrogated. From time to time one of them would be summoned and taken out of the cell, We would hear terrible cries, and then our companion would be pushed back into the room. He would show us the traces of what had been done to him. A communist member of the Reichstag showed me the marks of ill usage on his body, saying simply, Look, this is called national German culture. On the day I was arrested, a young man of the name of Rahm was called out, and returned with cut and bleeding thighs. The stormtroop men had beaten him with steel rods because he had refused to give false evidence against his comrades. Early on Tuesday morning, a man was thrown into our cell who could hardly stand. His arm was swollen and in a sling, and his face was covered with blood. He was a trade-union official of the name of Storm Stormtroop men had forced their way into the trade-union house, and as Fueller could not produce the arms which they demanded he should give up, they attacked him broke his arm, pushed a stick into his side, ripped his cheek open nearly to his eye, knocked him down, and kicked him. It was impossible to sleep at night. All the time the place was filled with the cries of the prisoners and the singing and laughter of our tormentors. In the next cell, one prisoner was crying out for his mother without cessation. Often the storm troop men would come into the cells to carry out their brutalities." documents which not even Gables can dispute kurt haas a film critic who took absolutely no part in politics was arrested by civilians in his flat on the night of february 28th he refused to go with the men who produced no official document apart from storm troop credentials then they threatened that they would shoot him and they beat him on his bed tied him up and carried him severely injured to a car Some police stopped the car on the way and rescued Haas. His wounds were bandaged in hospital, and then he was released. Up to this point there was nothing exceptional in this story, but Haas made a complaint to the Minister of the Interior, and what followed gives the case importance. Although the storm troop men were quite unable to produce any proof that they were acting on behalf of the authorities, they were subsequently fully protected by the Ministry here is the reply sent by goering's ministry prussian ministry of the interior storm troop connections department number twenty nine thirty three berlin thirteen march nineteen thirty three to herr kurt haas berlin Wilmersdorf. your letter dated four three nineteen thirty three addressed to the minister of the interior has been passed to me as the appropriate officer to investigate and decide the matter i have ascertained that the particulars given in your letter are inaccurate and distorted in essential points the storm troop was completely in the right and acted with authority to take you into protective arrest in accordance with the information i have received after the storm troop men had produced their credentials as you yourself admit they acted as the circumstances required after putting on your clothes at their request you yourself are responsible for having made it necessary to break your resistance by force inasmuch as you suddenly began to shout and bluster and attacked the storm troop members biting one man's thumb so severely that the wound is not yet healed from the facts in my possession the degree of force used was not greater than was required to break your resistance I see no grounds for taking any action against the stormtroop leader and men concerned, but must rather reserve to the injured storm troop man the right to take proceedings against you. Head of the Stormtroop Connections Department in the Prussian Ministry of the Interior, signed Dr. Hale. This document should be of historical value. It can as little be disputed as the official announcement from Bielefeld. 3rd April 1933, the social democratic member of the Reichstag and town councillor Schreck was arrested yesterday. At present he is in hospital. End of chapter 7